Welcome into the SB Nation NFL show. This is our final show before the Super Bowl, and we are going out with a big bang. I'm Michael Kiss, and I'm thrilled to have been a part of robust coverage we have given you throughout the Super Bowl week and throughout the entire year, really. And after a big week of three shows daily with big name guests like Mike Greenberg, Kyle Brandt, Deion Sanders, Kyler Murray, and so on and so on, we have one more set of fireworks to let off. So last week on Friday, we kicked it all off with our digital row, which featured interviews with leading minds from around the industry like Ross Tucker, Warren Sharp, Greg Rosenthal, and so on. And today we're going to wrap it up doing kind of the same thing, except this one is going to be all former and current NFL players. So in order of appearance, you'll hear from Joe Theismann, Kirk Cousins, Carson Palmer, Derrick Henry, and DJ Chark. So five huge guests to wrap it all up before the big game. We hope you enjoy and if you have enjoyed all the coverage here, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and show us some love. We would really appreciate it. And a quick reminder that after the Super Bowl, we're changing things up a little bit. We're going to be in the booth recording an instant reaction podcast. So if you're thirsty for even more content, keep an eye out for that Sunday night. And we'll follow up with our regularly scheduled programming. So we got you covered this week. We got you covered on Sunday. We got you covered next week, next month, next year, and beyond. So keep it locked here. All right, let's get to the reason that you're here. As I mentioned, first up, Kyle Posey chats with NFL legend and Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Theismann. Let's kick it to that right now. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. We are joined by a special guest today, Joe Theismann. Joe, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. appreciate the opportunity to spend a little time with you on such a terrific weekend ready for Super Bowl 55. Absolutely. So Joe joins us on behalf of Medlamilt. Medliminal. Medliminal. When I when I when I started with the company, Kyle, it took me three weeks to figure out how to pronounce Medliminal. Now it's now I got it. It's Medliminal. M e d l i m i n a l. Medliminal. Yeah. So Medliminal, what they do is they're helping Washington football staff members and employees of companies around the country just to help save on medical expenses. And as you know, we've been in a global pandemic for coming up on a year now. So what does Medliminal mean to you and why are you so passionate about it, Joe? Well, I've been I've been involved with Medliminal uh, with the company for a couple of years in, as a spokesman for them. And what attracted me to them was it they do, uh, I think, something socially very, very wonderful is they try and help people. And that's the things I like to be associated with. We basically examine employees' medical bills. Uh, and you made, you made a great point with COVID-19 and the pandemic we're dealing with, companies everywhere are looking to try and save money. So what we do is we take self-insured employers and try and help them understand what their medical costs are and, and try and help them go through them. We have a system called an HCAT system. And it's a, what we do is we examine the bills, and then we have nurses as or nurses as well as healthcare experts examine them again to make sure that the bills that you're getting are the ones you should be getting. Are there overcharges in the bills? Uh, is something not correct? It's like a big brother looking out for you and taking care of you. Um, and and you know we're an advocate for the employees. And 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 even as as we grow older, our parents, for example, I know when my mom and dad as they got older. There were more and more medical bills that I had no idea what the charges were. And what we do at Medliminal is we want to help you understand and make sure that the charges are compliant with what they're supposed to be. And like I said, it's M-E-D-L-I-M-I-N-A-L.com. Everybody really has an opportunity to, to get them examined, take a look at them and, and hopefully save some money, especially if you're a company looking to reduce costs. 
Yeah, I mean, your average employee is probably not going to have time to look through all those bills and probably won't know even what they're looking at. So that sounds like, you know, a great benefit and cost effective thing for you. So it's Super Bowl week and you've played in a couple of Super Bowls. You have a Super Bowl ring. You beat the Dolphins in Super Bowl 17. What I want to know is how much has the media for Super Bowl week changed back from your time as today? So think about all the social media, what's involved. So what do you think has been the most difference for you just in the Super Bowl time? It's, it's the volume of media that you deal with. I know in Super Bowl 17 in Pasadena, we, we only had one week, so we didn't have a whole lot of time with the media. There wasn't a lot of interviews. I mean, we flew out of, we flew out of Washington on a Monday, got there Monday during the day, did a little walkthrough. Tuesday, we started practice a little bit. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we went at it, bang, all of a sudden the game was there. Now you have, and then the next year we had the two weeks, which is a little more challenging mentally. But from a media standpoint, from where it was to where it is, there's eons of space between it. You have, it wasn't as international as it is now. You not only have uh, people in North America, but you have people from all over the world, uh, especially one like this. Could you imagine what the media circus would look like with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes being in a Super Bowl? I mean, come on. And, and, you know, stages the stage for Gronk again to be Gronk. It's just I guess the media is disappointed they couldn't be a part of this circus. But I know having done Radio Row for so many years, just how big it's gotten and how many more and more shows have been included, both uh, through like what we're doing now through Zoom calls and podcasts and radio shows and TV shows and everything else. But it's changed dramatically. Absolutely. So I was at the Super Bowl last year in Miami and there were reporters from Australia. There were reporters from Switzerland. They were all over the place. You would just never imagine that. But the NFL is king and people will want to watch, especially this week with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. So the game has evolved in so many different ways, but a lot of it's the same. So you still see Kyle Shanahan running what Joe Gibbs ran. You still see defensive coordinators doing the same thing as Buddy Ryan in the 80s. What change over the past 30 years in the game do you appreciate the most? I, I, I like the wide open nature of our game, and I really feel for defensive players. You know, you can't touch them if you're a defensive back. You can't hit them if you're a defensive lineman or a linebacker. I think playing defense in the National Football League is one of the toughest challenges you have. You know, and right next to that is officiating. You know, a quarterback throws a football, right? And all of a sudden, a defensive lineman just pushes him, and he falls to the ground, and it's a 15-yard penalty. That's baloney. I mean, and you know what I love about the playoffs, Kyle, is they don't pull a lot of hankies out during the right. playoffs. They let them play football. That's when I enjoy football the most. And you have different crews that call different games. Last year, they made an adjustment. They had an opportunity to be able to have a crew as a whole unit work a Super Bowl. And this year, Sarah Thomas is going to be able to officiate the first female in the history of the National Football League to be able to work a Super Bowl. I think it's wonderful. She's earned the right to be there. That's the most important thing. She's done a terrific job as an official, and she earned the right to be there. Uh, and so when you, when you think of this football game and you look at, at the magnitude that it has, uh, it's mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. 
I'm glad you brought up Sarah Thomas. It'd be great for that pipeline to continue to grow, to get more women referees and just in, in the sport in general, just as far as defenses go. Yeah. You, you can't do anything. You, you're essentially hoping that the offense messes up for you to get off the field or you basically guess right. So their hands are tied and it doesn't seem like the rules are going to go in their favor anytime soon. So you, Joe yeah. Deisman, former quarterback, as you look around, there's a quarterback rumor every day. It feels like on Tuesday night, it was Derek Carr will be on the move. I'm sure we're going to have somebody today is there anything that wouldn't surprise you as far as QB moves go this offseason uh if Tom Brady was traded to the New England back to the Patriots <laughs> don't rule it out you never know <laughs> no no uh, Patrick Mahomes goes to the Raiders uh no yeah I, no to be honest with you it, it wouldn't there's so many things going on and the the, the Detroit Matthew Stafford Jared Goff Detroit uh, LA trade is interesting what the Rams are saying to me is we're going all in. We've given up, again, lots of number one picks to be able to get a guy that we think can take us to the promised land. They've been there. They didn't quite get it done. Now what they want to do is bring somebody in they think can get them there. Doesn't have a lot of experience when it comes to playoffs. Doesn't have a lot of – certainly doesn't have any Super Bowl experience, but is at an age where he's seasoned enough and evidently Sean likes what he saw on tape and film and – and Sean McVay, Sean Payton, and Andy Reid are three of the most creative, inventive play callers that I know in this league. And so for Matthew, it's a, it's a chance to be a part of a team that has great aspirations. For Jared, it's an opportunity to get a new start. And after all, look at Ryan Tannehill. Didn't we think he was a – I mean, didn't we? It wasn't just me. It was a lot of – thought he couldn't play in Miami. Yeah. He just never had a chance. You know, he struggled and struggled. All of a sudden, he goes to Tennessee – and not only does he get him within a game of the Super Bowl, he backs it up with a really solid year this year, which means it just wasn't a flash in the pan year. There'll still be a lot of conversation about what Sam Donald, what are they going to do in New York? You know, Jacksonville's going that way. You know, you're pretty sure the Jets are going to go that way. Tampa Bay's got to be thinking about the quarterback position. Pittsburgh, even though they added Dwayne, they're still thinking about it. Uh, New Orleans has to think about it. Indianapolis has to think about it. There's probably so 10 teams in the top Washington, Washington has to think about it. Yeah. You know, there's 10 teams in the top 15 that are probably scratching their head wondering, what are we going to do with the quarterback position? This is unprecedented, Kyle, in football, to see this much interest and dissatisfaction with the present quarterbacks where they are and what the coaches feel like they need going forward. And we don't have a lot of that. We don't have that many kids coming out of college. Right. There aren't that many young quarterbacks that are going to go in and play. And normally, if you're a young quarterback, if you're going to Jacksonville or maybe to the Jets, those teams probably need more than just you to get it right, to have a chance to compete. So it's going to be a learning process, both mentally and physically. Which is probably why a guy like Sean McVay, who is as creative as you said, would rather invest in a veteran like Matthew Stafford, knowing what he's going to get as opposed to the college guy. So let's pretend that you are the Washington GM. What do you do at quarterback this offseason? I think I, I think I would go find one, either through free agency or later in the draft. I, I remember, Joe Montana was a third-round pick. I was a fourth-round pick. Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. Just because a guy has taken one doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the answer to the problem right away. I'll give you an example, Jim Plunkett. Jim yeah. Plunkett was drafted by New England. Then he wound up in San Francisco, won world championships with the Raiders. Archie Manning, you know, the struggles he had down in New Orleans. These are names that came out of school when I did. And, and Dan Pastorini going to Houston. 
there's no exact science when it comes to the position. I think Washington's got to look for one. Uh, I would I wouldn't feel I would feel very comfortable having Taylor Heineke be my starting quarterback as we began the operations in the offseason. And that's going to be so key, Kyle, is is getting some type of an offseason program where coaches will have a chance to evaluate players. It's like Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. It took them six, eight weeks to figure out who they wanted to be offensively. There was a transition from what Bruce Arian liked to do and what Tom was more comfortable doing. You know, what Dwayne had to learn in Washington uh, didn't get a chance to really process with a new coaching staff. The one thing I'm hoping for is that there is some semblance of a offseason. I'm not even calling it a normal offseason, but an offseason where coaches will get a chance to evaluate players. Because now you basically threw guys out on the field and say, hey, this is what we got. Let's go with it. Yeah, that's such a great point about Brady, because when you make these offseason moves, everybody expects things to be perfect on day one. And that's just not real life. That's not how football works. You're going to have to find, you know, get on the same page as your receivers, get on the same page as far as timing wise, figure out who does what the best. So and Tampa Bay, obviously, it worked out for them. But to expect every other team to do so, that's just not fair. So uh, Ron Rivera, was he ahead of schedule last year? Not as much as the win-loss record, but as far as, you know, team building. I think so. I don't think he was ahead of schedule. I think he was exactly what the organization needed. He was exactly what the football team needed. He's just a straight-up square shooter. And, you know, he made that very evident uh, about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, when he said that he made a mistake by just giving Dwayne the job and not allowing competition at the position. In his defense, though, is how do you create competition? You're trying to get ready for a regular season. All you have to deal with is what amounts to preseason, which there wasn't any. So all you have is a training camp, which was limited in its scope. So how do you evaluate anybody? How can you create a competition when you really don't have the opportunity to be able to create the competition? But I thought he was very genuine. He's a terrific man. You know, we have such unbelievable stories here in Washington between Ron and Alex Smith and, you know, stories of perseverance, not just for people that are in the world of athletics, but for people in life where when things look like they're the darkest or the bleakest and there may not be an opportunity out there for you to get out of that hole you're in. You look at Ron of beating cancer. You look at Alex of coming back from such a devastating, not just the injury, because I had the same injury. But the things that happened after the injury, the bacterial infections, the the threat of losing your life, the threat of losing your leg, and then going through what he went through for two years to do what he wanted. I think if you have a passion for something in your life, Alex Smith is a great example, that if the passion is there, you do whatever you have to to be able to accomplish what you want. And uh, I just think he was an unbelievable inspiration to so many. He is to me, I'll tell you that. Yeah, his story should be told over and over and over again to many, many kids. And even Ron Rivera, think about what he went through. And he was never unfazed. He never wavered this past season. And I think just to your point, as far as competition and the Haskins Haskins things go, to hear a coach say, my bad, has to be so refreshing for a player because he's not going to have all the answers. And for him to admit that, just I imagine it goes a long way. So Alex Smith, you said, as I mentioned, cover the 49ers. Let's keep it QB. Do Should they roll with Jimmy G into the season? Knowing what he did in 2019, but he has not stayed healthy, and that has been an issue. So what should they do at the quarterback position? I think they stay with Jimmy G. It's hard to evaluate, unless it costs you another – hundred plus million dollars, then you have to evaluate it a different way. There's always the economic consideration now of how is it going to affect the salary cap? But what will the salary cap be this year? I mean, yeah. revenues have to be down. 
So is the cap going to come down a little bit? Is it going to be a little bit more? Is it going to be the same? Those are answers. We don't have the, we don't have the answers to those questions. I think you stay with Jimmy at this point. And, 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 and you make a great point there, Kyle. He was hurt. I mean, who is he? That's, yeah. that's, that's the thing that I, you, I, I stress this to young people. The most important thing that you can do at a quarterback position is stay healthy enough to be able to play in practice because you're not doing anybody any good on the sidelines and you're sure as heck not learning the game from over there. The only way you learn the game is to go out on the field, to get out into the fire, get your feet smoked up a little bit, get knocked around, and then grow from there. Because then you can look at yourself on film and evaluate why you made certain decisions, both good and bad. I can't watch you on film and know what's in your head. I can see what you do, but I don't know the thought process. But if you're out there, you can go through the thought process. So, I, if, you know, I mean, if I'm the 49ers, you know, I stay with them another year. And then you have to evaluate yourself as well as the team around you. It's tough to evaluate the pieces that you're investing in when he's not on the field. So that that does make sense. But again, it also comes back to the whole salary cap and the economic part. You know, it brings us down to Deshaun Watson down in uh, down in Houston. You know, look at what's on your football. Why did Tom Brady leave New England? He could have stayed. I think he looked at New England and said, these guys don't see the game the same way I see them. I don't have the support group around me that I had before. You know, Julian was hurt. Gronk is gone. Uh, Gronk was a big loss for him. Yeah. You know, as you can, he, Gronk will make a play in this Super Bowl. There's something there for Gronk. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it's going to occur. I promise you they've got something for him, like he did in the last game against Green Bay, making a play. But, you know, Deshaun is, is they can't afford to lose him in Houston. He is the face of the franchise. He is someone and something to build around. You've got a new general manager. You've got a new coach. You know, I think cooler heads will prevail. prevail and I believe he, he should uh, stay in Houston. Whether he does, I don't know. But to me, that would be a prudent decision made by management to keep him there. And I think just going back to Gronk real quick, a big part of what he was for Brady is his pass blocking and blocking in general. Like he's an extra offensive lineman. And it's clear that the Patriots, the Patriots didn't have that luxury. So keeping it with Deshaun, where do you stand on player empowerment? Because it's so evident that he is not happy there and he's not happy with the ownership and how they've handled things. Do you feel like if he, the franchise quarterback, is unhappy, he, he you know, has the right to one out? He, you can have the right to want out, but what you know? How do you affect the football team by leaving? You know, right. what is it? What is it? What can I get for you? What does it cost me? But more importantly, what's my option if I don't have you? I've evidently Houston thinks the world of him because they gave him, I think, was it four years, one hundred seventy-two million? Yeah, whatever. Goodness knows whatever the number is, but it, it's it's upwards. You know, nineteen eighty-four, I was the fourth highest-paid player in the National Football League at a million dollars a year. So these numbers are far beyond anything <laughs> I can imagine or dream about. Uh, so as I look as I look at the situation down there, I think they need to sit down now. Deshaun didn't have time to look for a general manager or a head coach when he was playing ball. The season's really just over. And we're just, a, you know, we're literally weeks from the season being over, a month or so. Um, now, they, now they should sit down with him and talk to him and say, all right, look, we want you here. This is four months after you signed this huge contract. Don't be making any rash or harsh decisions. Let's talk about what we need as a football team, and we want you to be our centerpiece. So let's work together now. Not in the choice to find a GM or a head coach, because they had that was going on while he was playing football. Now there's time to sit down with them and evaluate 
what do we need to do? That would be the prudent way to go about it, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how much Watson's going to dig his heels in on this and if he's going to give ground. You, you mentioned the, the contract. You made a, a million dollars. Deshaun, 73 million guaranteed in his contract. So yeah, as soon as he signs him. the bottom line, he has good that much him. money. Absolutely. Good for him. Now, you know, now you dig your heels in, you've got to perform to collect. So, I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to sit out. I'm not going to play. Well, you don't get paid. You don't play. You don't get paid. It's 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 sort of a simple situation economically, but I I just I just hope they work it out because Houston cannot afford losing him. Uh, you already lost DeAndre, okay, yeah. to Arizona. You, you lost, you know, arguably your best receiver in one of the top maybe three or four in the league, and you'll notice that he was much more effective in Houston than he was in Arizona. And now he'll probably have a more prominent position. You know, I don't. I think Larry may be coming back again. Larry Fitzgerald is to wide receivers what Tom Brady is to quarterbacks. Okay, a phenom, a physical phenom who works his ever loving tail off. I have a book called How to Be a Champion Every Day, and I reference Larry in the book and the work ethic that he puts in to be as great as he was. He's an eminent Hall of Famer, and it just it always jumped out at me when I was doing broadcasting to go out to Arizona and watch him work. A catch 50 balls after practice. Hot, miserable day outside. Larry's over there on the jug machine, catching balls, doing what he does. Uh, he's a big guy, too. I mean, so like, yeah, he's he is the Tom Brady of wide receivers. Yeah, he he is a specimen. That's a, the great, a perfect way to put it. So I live in Phoenix, and I go to coaching his coaching clinics. And during these clinics, he is playing one-on-one -on -one competitive with like 16-year-old kids. He does not want to lose. It doesn't matter who he's going against. He's great to I see. So the uh, the last question I have for you. So from Card Watson to Darnold, and, you know, we have all the draft quarterbacks coming up. Is there any match made in heaven that you would like to see? Like maybe Justin Fields paired with Joe Brady in Carolina. Is there anybody that you want to see paired with each other? No, I, you know, I, you know, again, you bring up Carolina. I mean, you know, there's questions about Teddy Bridgewater down there. I mean, who who's going to be, move, what kind of chess game or checker game are we going to play moving quarterbacks around? I, you know, I don't. I think wherever somebody has a pretty good team around him is the best fit. I think of Ben Roethlisberger when he went to Pittsburgh and won a Super Bowl on his rookie season. You know, he had a great team around him. You know, terrific receivers, offensive line, terrific defense. If I'm a young football player, I want to go someplace where they got a terrific defense or the makings of one. Like if I'm looking at the Washington football team and I look at that defense and I have a chance to go there, someplace I want to be. And, and when you think about all these quarterbacks that may get shuffled around, don't look at the quarterbacks. Look at who the backups might be or who the players that might play if they're not there. That's very, that weighs very heavily in decisions by management. You don't want to give up something to get something if you don't have something. Absolutely. And your weapons matter as well. You want to know, you know, that's what Big Ben. And even with the Steelers, it feels like they draft a receiver every year, but they're always investing in their guy. And that makes a difference. So it's easy to believe in a franchise when they have that. So, Joe, I want to thank you for taking the time. This was awesome. Um, is there anything else you would like to plug before we get out of here? I, I just want to really talk about Medliminal one more time. The website is medliminal.com. It's M-E-D-L-I-M-I-N-A-L. Um, if you're a self-insured employer uh, or you're an employee, it's something really to take a look at because it's an opportunity to save some money or possibly at least find out exactly what you're being billed. So thanks an awful lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, Stay my, safe. Pl my pleasure. Take care, Joe. Thanks for thanks for joining us. You bet, buddy. Bye bye. 
Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. What's up, Kirk? What's up, Stats? How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate the uh, use of the nickname. Uh, you are here with us on behalf of Sleep Number, which we're going to get to. And actually, you know what? Let's start there because there's so much that goes into training with all with everybody, but quarterbacks especially, and studying the system. And I know you're up late at night cramming. It gets to a point, I imagine, where you have to think to yourself, do I stay up for another hour and study more film or study the plays, or do I get an extra hour of sleep? And how do you make that decision? Well, it's a great question, and the answer is I go to bed. I think that (laughs) sleep is so important. You know, you look at what Tom Brady's doing at 43, and it's been well-documented going back several years, how disciplined he is with his sleep. Um, Drew Brees, you know, has played so long. He's so disciplined with his health and the way he, he goes about his habits, including his sleep. And I'm going into year 10 now, which in quarterback years is actually pretty young compared to what these guys are doing. And largely, I think the longevity piece is there may not be a more important part to it than sleep. I think that not only night before game or during the season, but off season and being able to stack up night after night quality sleep is so important. And that's why I partnered with Sleep Number and I use a Sleep Number 360 smart bed and I have the Sleep IQ app on my phone that gives me a Sleep IQ score. So important to me, so important to my ability to, to play for a long time and stay on the field and be healthy and have a sharp mind. And I think we all uh, you know, need to prioritize sleep more than we do. And so partnering with Sleep Number has been a huge advantage for me on the field and off the field. So are you a hard mattress guy or a soft mattress guy? So my sleep uh, uh, number is 100, which is the firmest it can be. And another big advantage is that when my wife doesn't want the mattresses firm, she can change her number. So she keeps it at a softer level and then I can have the firmness that I want. Nobody has to compromise. And that's really the original benefit to to the sleep number. And then they've added so many great features like the app and the, the ability to raise and lower the head and the feet and the foot warming and all these things that help me sleep better and get to sleep faster. And um, again, just a tremendous asset to have as I'm trying to play as well and as long as I can. And that's really the key to a healthy marriage is not compromising on anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. No, there's no doubt that the sleep number technology has probably saved more than a few marriages too. (laughs) Um, You mentioned playing well, and I actually looked up something. You are the only quarterback in the league to throw for at least 25 touchdowns every year since 2015. And yet nobody seems to give you any credit for it. Whose fault is that? And how much do you blame Mike Florio? (laughs) You know what? I go back to a phrase that I've used through the years uh, as I was trying to make my way through this league. And it's that people who know, know. And that's really all that matters. And it's why I've been able to play for the last six seasons. It's why I've been given the opportunity that I've had in Minnesota. People who know, know. And um, that's really all that I need to do. You know, I think the people who don't, don't know and don't study it all that intensely, their opinion while it's out there, I don't know that it matters a whole lot to me on the field. So you just try to stay the course, do the best you can on the field and trust that the people who know, know. And, um, you know, I think the ability to stay healthy for the last six seasons, again, goes back to sleep habits and, um, you know, the, the importance of being able to really take care of yourself when you're away from the, the practice facility and, and um, you know, be able to stay on the field. One of the guys who knows would be Justin Jefferson, the rookie receiver that you guys have who set the rookie record for receiving yards in the Super Bowl era. 
He was completely complimentary of you. Are you willing to say right now that you guys got the best rookie receiver out of a draft class of just incredible rookie wide receivers? Well, I, I don't know how to rank them. I haven't studied the other ones. There were some really good ones, but uh, I certainly think we were very fortunate to get Justin. Um, he clearly had, you know, a, a, a season for the ages, you know, no other rookie I think has had the receiving yards that he had last year and we're lucky to have him. Uh, we'll take him. And, um, you know, I'm excited to be playing with him hopefully for many years to come. Obviously you've had success on the field, but you've also had success off the field and, this is going to be weird, but just follow me here. Do you watch the show The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? You know, I've only watched a couple episodes, but I have enough knowledge of it to uh, to be dangerous. Okay. <laughs> well, there's the line in that show. This is the way. And I feel like you are the Mandalorian because you have shown people, especially quarterbacks, this is the way. Play out your contract, play through the franchise tag years, and then you hit the open market and you can sign with anybody you want and you get the market rate. Other than Dak Prescott, I don't see other quarterbacks doing that, and I can't understand why not. Well, you also have to remember that when I was, you know, after my third year where a lot of these guys were signing their extensions, like uh, Jared Goff or Patrick Mahomes or Carson Wentz, I wasn't getting that offer. And I'm sure that if I had gotten those offers, I would have taken them. So part of it was just the way my story unfolded. Um, certainly it worked out, and I'm thrilled with, you know, the chance to be in Minnesota and, and – um, you know, play there. But I think, you know, Dak is, his situation is also unique. Everybody's story is unique. And, um, you know, when you get offered these really good contracts, they are hard to pass up, especially when the way the rookie wage scale is, you aren't making nearly that much money in your first few years. Especially when you're a fourth round pick. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other piece that, that plays into it is, you know, where you were drafted kind of tends to affect not only your financial situation early, but also, you know, how you're viewed and evaluated moving forward. And, um, you know, Dak and I certainly had that in common. We were both fourth round picks. Sure. I didn't, uh, I didn't make that connection right away. Uh, question I always wanted to ask people on the Vikings, you have an absolute treasure as part of your organization. And that's Paul Allen, the play by play voice for the <laughs> Vikings radio. He is, I love him. He is incredible. And I always wanted to know when you have a great play, a touchdown, whatever the case may be, do you go back and listen to the radio call just to hear him? I don't go back and listen to it, but we'll get it from time to time because they'll use it for highlights and different things. And just the energy he brings is so different from everyone else that's calling a game. And I know my family, when they watch games, even if there's a delay, they will choose to listen to yes. Paul Allen calling the game on the radio as they watch it on TV and they'll mute the TV because they so enjoy PA's call. And uh, he can bring energy, I mean, to a preseason game with no fans. <laughs> He's going to call that game like it's the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And that's what I love about him. And I know our Vikings fan base loves listening to him. Well, first of all, that's A plus by the family. That is absolutely how it should be done. You need to break a long run so I can get the Paul Allen. He's loose for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I do need to break more long runs for a lot of different <laughs> reasons. But if it means that Paul Allen gives you the call you need, that's a, that's a good reason in and of itself. So I'll keep that in mind as I think about scrambling next year. Yes, I, I think you really should. It's all about priorities, Kirk. I mean, honestly. Absolutely. So we talked about the six straight years of 25 straight touchdowns, which is awesome. But it's even more impressive considering that you seem to have a new offensive coordinator every year. Do you now have a basically a system in place 
to learn a new system, if that makes sense? <laughs> yeah, change has been the constant for me with uh, play callers over the last six years, uh, six play callers in those six seasons. That being said, I've been able to be around some really good ones. When you think of uh, Jay Gruden, Sean McVay, John Filippo, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak. I mean, it's, it's a huge uh, uh, benefit to have great play callers, great coaches. And so I've been very fortunate. And um, I'm sure with whoever Coach Zimmer hires going into 2021, you know, it'll be much the same. And I look forward to uh, building a rapport with a play caller and, you know, having to do it again next year. <laughs> Did you offer any opinions, suggestions as to the kind of system you might want to run? Absolutely. I think you always give feedback. I think there's, it always comes from a place of understanding that the coach makes the final call and it's his show, but uh, absolutely. You try to give your thoughts and what you like and don't like, and that's not only from a high level, but also week to week with the plays and what you want called. So there has to be good constant communication from the quarterback to the coaching staff. And um, you know, that's always been a key to success. I think in our league, if, there was a crazy situation where the headsets weren't working and some, for some reason you couldn't communicate with the coaches. Do you think you could call the whole game yourself without any input from anybody at this point? You know, if I prepared for that situation to happen, yes, I do think you could do it. I think you'd put a wristband on your wrist with, you know, 50 plays. You'd be able to lean on those. You'd organize those. You'd have your two minute plan in your head. You'd have it organized by, you know, down and distance and situations and different style of plays with runs and screens and quick game and drop back and play action. But, um, you know, there is a lot of volume. And at the end of the day, you wouldn't be able to call the game nearly as efficiently or effectively as a play caller, you know, with their call sheet and the way that they study it. So there are times, you know, where you like getting involved and having thoughts and, and calling things, but uh, more often than not, you know, better let the play caller call the game. But I'm sure there have been times when like the headset has gone out oh, yeah. and you've just had to make a decision. Oh, absolutely. Headset goes out, you know, three, four, five times a year. And you got to look at the play clock and make a decision as to, is this on me now? Or should I go over to the sideline and, and get clarification? And, you know, you have a little bit of both. And, you know, sometimes the play just comes in a little, a uh, little muddied and you have to clean it up. So, you have to have one ready and you got to be able to shoot from the hip from time to time. And, um, you know, you hope in those moments, they're not the, the play to win the game, but uh, you do have to have it ready and we, and we practice it. What's the number on the play clock where you decide like, okay, that's it. I'm making this call. <laughs> well, I know that usually like if you break the huddle at about 10 to 12 seconds, you've got, you know, very little time at the line of scrimmage. So you just got to understand, you know, how quickly can I get back in the huddle and call the play before we're breaking? And it's about 10 seconds. And, um, you know, you, you want to be able to have that, that buffer of time. So you're not having to take a timeout or use a delay game. Beyond the football, you said you watched the Mandalorian a little bit. What is the show that you are watching? You are binging. So this has been my issue uh, for me. I was a huge fan of the office, a huge fan of parks and rec. And when those two shows ran their course, I, to this day, have not been able to find one that has captured my attention the way those two did. So I'm a free agent when it comes to binge watching shows. I'm open to any suggestions, but nothing's been able to meet the office of, or parks and rec for me. So hopefully I can find that show this off season. That's a high bar. Like you have set the bar very high. Are you mostly a comedy guy? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm so intense at work and football so demanding that for me to come home and then be grinding on a show, is just not the same as me being able to kick my feet up and laugh and relax. So I do kind of defer to the laid back comedies and uh, 
maybe my bar is too high. Maybe that's the problem, but uh, I am looking for that next show that can deliver like the office and parks and rec did. Well, I mean, if you're going to watch something, you might as well watch something good. Right. I mean, it's good to have a high bar. Um, I'm trying to think comedies. You've got the office parks and rec is really good. I mean, big bang theory. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, That one doesn't do it for me. My wife likes big bang theory, but that one doesn't do it for me. Who gets control of the remote? I mean, at the end of the day, happy wife, happy life. So it's mm-hmm. her show. But to her credit, she does many times defer to me and let me make the call. But she likes to watch, you know, shows where people have British accents and it's dramas <laughs> and everything's dark and dreary. And for whatever reason, she likes that. And I definitely don't take to that. That's like if on the spectrum of the offices over here, those shows are on the complete other side of the spectrum. Yeah, I totally get it. My wife is is binging the Great British Baking Show. So there is a lot of like British accents and cake in my house right now. And my six-year-old is now critiquing the dinners that we serve as if he was a judge on the Great British Baking Show. That's how it works. Oh, before we go, 30 Rock, if you haven't started watching that, it's right. old now. You know, they yep. finished it, but that's that's one to go that will get you through a decent number of years. I'll give it a shot. I've seen a few episodes. I'll give it another shot. There you go. Kirk Cousins, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Again, he's here on behalf of Sleep Number. Get the Sleep Number mattress, and then you and your significant other do not have to compromise on the firmness of the mattress, and you'll both sleep happy, and you'll both be much happier. Thank you very much for the time, Kirk. All right, Stats. Thanks so much. We'll see you. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and I am very excited to be joined by former Bengals quarterback, former Raiders quarterback, former Cardinals quarterback, Carson Palmer, who's joining us on behalf of Caden Woods CBD Sports Cream Level Select. You can go to levelselectcbd.com to check out more about that. We are going to get to that, Carson, but I am so excited to talk to you today because you did uh, an article with Peter King like six years ago where 
he took us through your week with the Cardinals and learning the game plan and learning all the plays. And I have wanted to ask you questions about that ever since. So first of all, thank you for doing that. And thank you for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So the article talks about how you had to learn the game plan and it really opened my eyes because it was the first time that I really realized how much being a quarterback and being a successful quarterback is a lifestyle. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that more quarterbacks in the league fail because they can't play the position from the neck down or they can't play it from the neck up? Well, I definitely think it's a neck up thing. I mean, guys get, guys get drafted off of what they did from the neck down, right? Your 40 yard dash time, your completion percentage, you know, all, all those things that come up, all the physical traits that come up don't always correlate to the lower body or the up or the upper body. And I think, Guys, uh, you know, to your point, I think guys either make it or break it because they have what it takes upstairs, not from, you know, a smart standpoint, but more, are they willing uh, to identify what it takes? Are they willing to identify the amount of hours it takes to study film, the amount of hours it takes to sit down and study the offensive line protection schemes, to sit down and study and know inside and out the offensive line run blocking schemes and the calls that are made uh, and the code words that happen up front. So many guys just want to get out there and throw the ball. So many guys want to show up to practice and throw one-on-ones or throw seven-on-seven. They want to go to the park and work with their receivers. And that's great. That's a big part of it. But there's such a bigger part of it that whether you're in year one, year seven, year 17, you still have to be – consistently evolving you still have to be willing to learn what's going on in front of you at the line of scrimmage on a run play on a pass play it's not just your job and what receivers are going to get open there's so many other facets of the game that if you're not willing and and able to identify that um, upstairs early on in your career and realize I need to work at this every single year I don't just get to year three and I got it and I can just go play it's something that happens every single year. You've got to evolve. You've got to learn. You've got to want to know why. You've got to sit there and watch the film and go, I got to ask the center why he made this call with the guard to block that guy and why they didn't do this. If you're not always willing to, to take that on and study that and work at that, you're probably going to fizzle out. You're probably not going to get to year six, year eight, year 10. You're probably not going to get to contract two, to contract three, to contract four. And that's why you see some guys that are high draft picks that just don't end up making it. So how do you tell, how do you determine if the guy you're about to draft is that guy that's going to make that kind of basically lifetime commitment? Research. Um, and you never know. Your, your data that you, that you research could come back and it could tell you the wrong story. Hopefully the data that you go out and find by talking to high school classmates, high school teachers, college um, opponents, you know, college, college uh, coaches that, that your player that you're trying to draft played against. Um, you know, there's, there's so much to find out. What kind of crowd does that individual run with? How close knit group of friends and family do they have? How many issues do they have in that close knit group? Um, that's valuable information. That's information that owners and GMs are willing to pay millions for because they just can't find it. You have to go out and you have to go out and research. You have to go out and turn over every stone. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes even data comes back to other organizations I've talked to through this process um, 
that I've, that I've done some help with, they're unwilling to listen to some of those red flags. They're, they're willing or they're willing to overlook some of those red flags. And sometimes red flags are a yay or nay type flag. If, if that red flag, flag pops up, that's a nay. We can't draft that guy. But then there's some people that see that red flag and they say, well, I just love, you know, <laughs> you, you, you get enamored with Johnny Manziel's ability to get outside the pocket. And those red flags that pop up, you're willing to overlook. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of owners, there's been a lot of GMs um, that have been, you know, nipped in the bud on that and, and uh, you know, made look foolish for certain draft picks. Is that usually the owner that overrules that or is that the coach or the GM in your experience? Uh, there's a lot of owners that, that are willing to overlook red flags. Um, and there's a lot of GMs uh, that, are, that are willing to overlook red flags. I feel like a lot of coaches aren't. Because coaches, if you've been around long enough, you've seen those red flags. You know what that entails. You know what kind of extra stress that brings to your team. Um, you know what those red flags mean um, as distractions from just the media, sim simple things like the media harping on one topic over and over and over again. And you getting ready to game plan and get ready for a game. And you got to talk about a kid's college career that he did something stupid or a red flag that popped up at some point, those, those end up being distractions for coaches. So I feel like uh, more often than not, coaches are not willing to overlook those red flags, but the guys that are actually making those draft picks a lot of times are the head or the, the owners and the GMs, and they are willing to overlook those. One of the things you talked about in the article with Peter King was how you had to look at the formations and actually write the formations down over and over again. So you could feel comfortable with the game plan for that week. How and when did you learn that about yourself? Not, not, uh, not early on in my career. It took me year three, year four, year five. I mean, when I got to the first NFL or my first uh, year in the NFL, I had John Kitna uh, as a mentor. He's another quarterback, played a long time in the NFL. Unbelievable, unbelievable mentor. And I just started studying like he did because I, I didn't know. And I didn't realize until year three or four that I'm a visual learner. Um, and everybody's brain is hit differently with information and everybody's brain, I feel like works differently as far as how it absorbs that information the best. Mine was, I need to write it out. I need to hand write it out. And then I need to go out on the field and do it. I can't sit there and watch film of other people doing it and, and absorb it. Um, I can't sit there and listen to, you know, Bruce Arians, who's a brilliant offensive mind. I can't sit there and listen to him explain it. And, and just absorb it for whatever reason. It's how my brain operates. I need to write it out. And then I need to go out on the practice field and rep it. And then I need to watch myself do it. Everybody's different. I've, I've played with certain guys. I play with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick could hear one play one time and that's all he needed. He just absorbed it that way. Um, other guys are different. So, you know, you got to figure out and it took me longer than I would like looking back in retrospect um, but I just feel like every player needs to figure out what their, um, the easiest avenue for their brain to absorb information. Cause once you get to the NFL, there's information coming from every which way, how to deal with the media, how to deal with family issues, how to deal with cover two in the red zone, how to deal with this, you know, this, you know, run, run scheme and what our checks are and what our audibles are, what our audibles are in, in this passing scheme and what can happen up front from an offensive lineman protection standpoint. There's so much information. It can very easily be information overload where there's so much coming at you, you absorb nothing. So finding a way for your brain to operate 
most efficiently and be able to absorb the right amount of information and not get to that point where you have information overload, which unfortunately is, you know, you see a lot of young quarterbacks, you can just tell their mind is processing way too much. It is, it is going so fast there. You see them dropping back in the pocket and they're looking every which way that guy has too much going on in his head. So it's, it's really unfortunate. You see some of these young players come in and they don't figure out how to absorb that information best for their brain to operate and, and go out and perform to the best of their abilities. Those guys oftentimes end up fizzling out of the league. So even if you get everything right and you pick the guy and he's the man and he's willing to put in the time and the effort, if he hasn't learned that about himself, how to best learn so he can economize his time, he's still going to struggle. Well, I mean, that's that's part of the gamble, right? I mean, you, you can fall in love with Trevor Lawrence and his abilities and his arm talent and his athletic ability. And you can fall in love with his win and loss uh, percentage. Um, but you're also taking a gamble on all those physical traits that he has, that he's also a smart kid. And he's smart enough to realize, all right, there's too much information coming at me. Maybe I need to look at this a different way. Part of that, too, is pairing a Trevor Lawrence – Kyler Murray, you know, high draft pick kind of guy with the right coach. And in my opinion, the best coaches are great teachers. There's a lot of really good coaches, but the best coaches are the ones that are great teachers and they can go into a room and you've got four different quarterbacks. You can go, okay, he's a visual learner. He, I need to stay on his butt. He's lazy. I need to, so you need to evaluate your own room. And that comes with hiring the right quarterback coach and teacher and a great quarterback coach and great teacher finds a way to deliver the information to the to an individual player that best suits that player you may have four quarterbacks in the room and it may take up a lot of your time as a quarterback coach and each player gets hit differently with different amounts of information or information in different ways uh, that enables each individual quarterback to absorb that information the correct way that's, that's, you know, as, as hard as it is to find a great quarterback, it's just as hard to find a great quarterback coach because it takes a very special, unique, you know, talented individual to, to have that ability. There is a guy, a quarterback, who is leaving the Detroit Lions and going to the Rams now in Matthew Stafford, and I feel like that is where they could be right now with the Rams. You bring in Stafford incredibly talented guy who's now going to be with Sean McVay in LA. Do you think that we are going to see like next level Matthew Stafford? Well, I, I definitely think we're going to see the best of Matthew Stafford. Um, I, I still don't get the trade. I, I don't understand it. I don't know why you got Jerry Goff, who's extremely talented arm wise, not talented with, you know, his legs. And you just traded and gave up a ton to get, an extremely talented guy with his arm that's not talented with his legs. <laughs> um, I mean, when you, when you compare, you know, apples to apples, Stafford has more velocity, um, but I don't think Stafford's more accurate. I don't think um, he throws the deep ball better because I think Jared throws it as good as just about anybody in the league other than a couple of guys. Wow. Um, I know Jared can't move very well, but it's not like they just traded for Deshaun Watson a guy who's super dynamic throwing the ball and running the ball. It just seemed like a linear move. It seemed like a move. They gave up a ton of draft capital to get an older, more experienced player who also has a lot more injuries has been really banged up the last couple of years who has a little more velocity, but man, don't forget 
Jared, Jared, you know, he had a broken thumb. So take that out of the equation that, that those last couple of games don't really count when you're evaluating a guy with a broken thumb, throwing a football. Um, but man, Jared can throw the deep ball extremely well. He's very accurate underneath. He's got touch. He can drive the ball again, maybe not as much velocity, but I wouldn't trade two first round picks and a third round pick for a little more velocity. Um, if you're talking about Deshaun Watson, maybe he's so much more dynamic. Um, but I just, I, I didn't, I didn't get the trade, but to answer your question, yes, I think Matt Stafford's going to have, um, his, I think Matt Stafford's going to win the most games in a single season of his career. Um, but I don't know if he's enough of a difference maker that he changes up what they can do, um, offensively and makes them way more multiple because of his skill set. I just don't see that. Wow. That I'm surprised. That is one of the, that's a different take than I've heard from a lot of people, but that's why we want to talk to you and have you on. Uh, you are here with us today because of a partnership with CBD sports cream. Tell us about that. Yeah. Level select CBD. Uh, it's a sports cream I use every day. Um, I use it on my, my knee. I've had sur surgeries on my knees, elbows, shoulder, neck. Um, and I'm very active. I've got four young kids. I love to be outside. I really don't like being on the computer or inside ever. I like hiking. I like working out. I like fishing. I like hunting. I like skiing and level select CBD sports cream is something that has, has kept me going. Um, I have a lot of aches, a lot of pains, a tough time sleeping. It's something that helps me sleep at night. I put it on before I go to sleep on my left knee. Um, I put it on right when I wake up or right before I get to go skiing. Uh, it's something that's just kept me going and, and made me still feel like I'm a professional athlete, even though I'm an old washed up quarterback who's got a bunch of old surgeries and a bunch of bangs and bruises. But I still chase my kids. I'm still very active. I, I love being outside. And right now, uh, if you log on to levelselectcbd.com and type in the promo word Carson, you get 50% off. So now's a great time. That's all. And it's not just like you said, for retired former quarterbacks, look, I'm almost 40 years old now. Like we, we all got those aches and pains. So that's something that's, you know, can help a lot of people, obviously. So we really appreciate the time, Carson. Thank you again. Thank you for just making me a better NFL fan. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Rob. This is the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and I am very pleased to be joined by an absolute monster for the Tennessee Titans, Derrick Henry. He's the back-to-back -back rushing champ, ran for over 2,000 yards last year. Only five guys, or four guys, I should say, in the history of the league have run for more yards in a single season than you did last year. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. First question, man. How are you feeling? You've led the league for two straight years in rushing attempts, touchdowns, yards. Are you feeling good? I feel good. Great for some more. I want to ask you because I read an article a little while ago that said that LeBron James spends like a million and a half dollars a year on his body in the offseason just for recovery. What kinds of things do you do in the offseason so that you're good to go every week? Uh, usually just uh, my, normal, my normal regimen during the season with a little bit of with a lot of working out and, and training and get my body right uh, to prepare for the next season. So I just, I, I just stick to my, re um, my regular routine. Do you do like the, uh, a lot of guys have that, like the cryo tank where they go in and it's like negative a hundred degrees. Do you do any of that? Or are you just like an ice tub kind of guy? Yeah, I, I do. I do the, I do the, uh, the cryo chamber sometimes. And then I do the uh, cold tub as well. How, 
I can't even imagine how cold that is in that cryo chamber. Like, does that take a while to get used to, or are you pretty much like used to it by now? You just got to sit there and just, just, just get through it. It's oh, cold as hell, but you got to get through it. Though. That is crazy. I could never, no, nope, nope. As you can tell probably by looking at me, you would not be stunned to hear I don't exactly have the NFL body <laughs> at 5'10 and 140 pounds. Let's get to your season in general, because once again, you were dominating people, stiff-arming people left, right, and center. When you stiff-arm somebody on a play, do you know during that play, like, oh, I got that guy. That's gonna be on. That's gonna be on the highlights. Oh, um, it's, it's so funny, but it's just, it's like how they approach me. They come high, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. And then <laughs> usually they go low just so they have a you know easier access to uh, to tackle me. But some go high, and that's how you know the stiff on the everybody sees happens see but like at this point they gotta know like they should know if you come high you get what you deserve exactly that's exactly right it's never personal just business <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's very comforting to them when they're watching the film the next day or the next week and they're just getting completely mopped by you <laughs> hey that's their bad uh you are with us on behalf of old spice today i see the old spice shirt you are sitting in an Old Spice throne. Tell me what you have going on. Yeah, um, it's been a tough year um, for everyone. You know, everyone needs a little spark of confidence um, to get through their day. Why not start off with uh, Old Spice? Um, Old Spice Dynasty. Uh, got a cologne quality scent, deodorant. Make you uh, smell better and uh, make you feel good throughout your day. And um, it's available at Kroger. Uh, advise everybody to try it out it's old spice it's pretty much available everywhere you get your uh bathroom needs so to speak i use it i love old spice i got the body wash i got the deodorant it is outstanding so you have very good taste there uh you were in the quote-unquote pro bowl this year which was basically uh, a madden game that you participated in i saw that you chucked a long bomb to your teammate aj brown during that game First question, was that intentional? Um, I, I, it was like 4th and 21. He was on a go route. I was like, I'm throwing up to him, see if he can come down with it. And he came down with it, just like you do in real life. And you were the only, like one of the only people to score in that game for your team. Are you a big gamer? I play from time to time. I, I play a little bit in the offseason. I definitely started playing when we were quarantined for a little bit because I was like, man, I got to find something else to do. And I started yep. playing Madden again. So I played from time to time in the offseason. Did you see that they're bringing back the uh, the college football game? Were you into so that? So happy. Cannot wait. I def I'm definitely going to be playing the game now. And that comes are, back. Are you going to roll with Alabama or do you pick somebody else? Roll with the tie. Yeah. I love that game. I cannot wait for it to come back as well. Uh, you mentioned A.J. Brown. Can you just set the record straight? Like, A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver from Ole Miss, right? Yes. Not I mean, even – no hesitation. DK, DK is a beast, you know, uh, no doubt about that. And uh, he, he's a great player, but you know, I'm always ride right for my teammate because I see him every day, the work he puts in, the plays he makes. And uh, yeah, I think he's the best come through Ole Miss. He is incredible. DK, I, I'm a Niner fan, so I get to see DK twice a year. He torments me. But uh, sure. AJ is just on another level, like you mentioned. Um, I want to get back to your season this year because I don't know if you – are you aware that you ran for more rushing yards than 23 teams this year? I didn't really know that stat, but, uh, I mean, that's a pretty cool thing to know. 
23 teams, including both teams in the Super Bowl this week, which is incredible. So you have back-to-back rushing titles. There have only been three guys in the history of the league that have run for three straight rushing titles. Jim Brown, Emmitt Smith, and Earl Campbell. Is that like a target for you next year to get another one? Um, I mean, I, I don't try to like, you know, you know, try to try to put my pr- pressure on myself and try to hop on myself to do it. I just let, let it just fall where they may. But I know my offensive line, everybody blocking, they take real pride in, you know, holding on to that rushing title. So, you know, that's why, you know, I'm preparing right now to get ready for, for next season. But, you know, I know, I know my guys and us, you know, as far as a run game, we take a lot of confidence in having a lot of success. I know a lot of guys like to get their offensive line presence. When you rush for 2,000 yards, do you have to go like above and beyond with the gift to the offensive line? Oh, we got something coming, something cooking up right now. Oh, you're not going to tell us? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 not yet. We got, we, we got something coming up. I see the look in your eye. Like you're, whatever it is, you're proud of it. Yes, definitely, definitely proud. Something that they wanted, so we got something coming. So they get they get presents from you from the running backs. Do they also then get presents from Tannehill and the quarterbacks? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they probably go to dinner. They they, they work out something, but uh, I usually get the the big gift because they the one that you know open up holes and do everything they need to do for me to have success. Can you tell us what you got them last year? Um, last year I got them Rolexes. Oh, damn! I want to block for Derrick Henry. <laughs> that's pretty good that that is see but now the trouble is you have to top that that's the tough part yeah i gotta top that it was it was definitely tough and i told them all get together and you know find out one thing that they all they all wanted we all got to figure it out oh it see out. that's good all right i like the strategy there that's a good move by you uh let's get to this super bowl in general who do you like in the game Chiefs, like Chiefs by seven yeah, I'd, Mahomes is a friggin' wizard. Mm-hmm. What about you? Who you like? I got to go with the Chiefs because I feel like, you know, everyone's game planning. They're, they're putting all this effort into preparing. But if stuff breaks down and the crap hits the fan, Mahomes is just going to be able to do something incredible. Like, just chuck it 80 yards down the field. Exactly. That bazooka arm. So that stands out to you. I mean, you watch quarterbacks all the time, guys that throw the ball better than anybody else. Mahomes to you is like on another level from those elite guys. I think this is the, the way he's able to accomplish the things he's been doing the last couple of years is just unheard of, you know, and um, the, all the accolades, all the things that he gets, he deserves by, by what he plays. He does it year in and year out. And, you know, that's the reason why they're in the Super Bowl again. Two more questions for you. One, what is your must-have food when you watch the game? Probably say some wings. Solid choice. You got to have the wings. I love wings, so I go with those. Do you go, like, blue cheese with the wings? Ranch? Oh, what do you? Oh, no ranch. No blue ranch? cheese. You, you must like blue cheese. Yeah. What, what do you mean no, I must like? Everyone ranch. likes blue cheese. No, ranch. No blue cheese. Uh-uh. Oh, man. I feel like you're missing out. No, I thought you you gotta get you got rant. Is that's the way to go? All right, I'll try it this year. I'll try it this I'll year for you. All and right. uh, last question we've been asking everybody is: if all the coaches were in like a battle royal fight against one another, who would win? And I got to tell you, your guy Mike Vrabel is close to the top. Is that who you're picking? Yeah, he coming. He coming out on top for sure. I think. I think it come. I think it come down to him and the Lions new coach. 
Dan Campbell. Yes, that's the other guy. Like, I think he's like six seven. The guy's a bear. Yeah, I think it comes down to those two. I got, I got, I got Brady coming out on top. See, I think Belichick is a sneaky pick. I know he's a little older, but I feel like he's going to come up with some sort of plan. And let's be honest, he'll play dirty a little bit too. Let's be real. He'll come up with some type of scheme to get his way close to it. That's what I'm saying. I it, It's not a common pick, but I, if I had to put money down, Belichick might be the guy for me. Derek, thank you very much for the time. Again, he's here with us on behalf of Old Spice Dynasty. Go out, pick it up. It is awesome. I've used Old Spice for years. We really appreciate the time, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the SP Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Very pleased and privileged to be joined by wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, DJ Chark. What's up, DJ? What's up? Not too much. Not too much. A little bit of, uh, you know, you may have heard of this game called the Super Bowl going on this week. We're going to get to that. But first thing I have to ask you, you're an LSU guy. You graduated from LSU. and now. You got a Big Ten guy as your coach. How are you dealing with that? You know, I like it. Um, <laughs> it brings that that old pageantry back, you know, being at Florida. He got some national championships uh, in at Ohio State. I didn't get any, so he loved to show his dreams for sure. <laughs> the Jags have not been a team to make the splashy head coach hire. But now, like I just said, you got Urban Meyer there. You're going to have potentially the number one draft pick in Trevor Lawrence there. Like Jacksonville's becoming a spot now. Hey, place to be. You know, hopefully we can get things up and running and have it uh, real smooth, change the the atmosphere, the culture here, and get some, some wins. Does that, like, do you guys talk about the fact that, hey, we're going to have Trevor Lawrence here, or is that just like he's just like any other rookie? I'm not going to say he's like any other rookie. You know, uh, he's definitely – put up some numbers and, you know, it's a reason why there's hype around his name for sure. But we, you know, we aware of it, you know, we welcome it. We excited for it. We know he's going to have to come in and, you know, have his own adjustment period. You know, it's, it's definitely a different league, but him or whoever is coming in, you know, we open them with, you know, open arms. Please, please tell me that you're going to give him the rookie haircut and get rid of that hair because it's out of control. Nah, that's his swag, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever makes him him, whatever makes him tick, you know, that's him. I'm not really big into the rookie hazing. Maybe that's something we start doing, I don't know. Maybe it's a new coach, I don't know, but we'll see. Did you have to do anything when you were a rookie like that? I carried helmets once, and I paid for dinner once. But other than that, the guys in the room, like, Marquise Lee and Marquise, they wasn't really sweating it too much. So I got off easy. The dinner to me seems to be the scariest one. Like, especially if you get like some offensive linemen that have to go to that dinner, like that is not a small amount of money. Yeah. Luckily for us, our room wasn't too big and um, it's receivers. So there's a limit. There's a cap on what okay. you possibly can eat, you know, and it's cool guys in the room. So they're not trying to uh, break your pockets. So it was cool. All right. that Because, you know, you go appetizers and dessert plus alcohol there. that That's for a rookie. That's not nothing. You de- It's definitely it's still a, a pretty ticket. But, <laughs> you know, that's what you that's what you get when you get drafted second round. So it comes and then with- I assume that you have since gone on those dinners that other rookies have paid for. Yeah. This year we had a pretty good one with LaVisca um, mm-hmm. in Holland, you know, two draftees. 
in our uh, room this year. So we got after him, but not too much. Do you think uh, Trevor or whoever you guys pick at number one is going to have it worse being the first overall pick? I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe so. It depends on, you know, how their quarterbacks want to eat that that uh, day that they take them out. But I'm pretty sure they alignment the too. Oh, yeah, he's in there with the linemen too. <laughs> yeah, they might get him. That's not going to be good. Um, I always wanted to ask you, not you specifically, but different guys this question. If you took all the NFL players – and put them on teams according to where they went to school. So, like, all the LSU guys on one team, all the Alabama guys on another team. Who do you think's winning? LSU for sure. <laughs> uh, every year the championship would be between LSU, Ohio State, and Alabama. But I think we end up winning because we have offense and defense at every position, you know. They have stars at a lot of positions too, but I think we're pretty solid across the board. Those three teams have the most players in the NFL right now, the teams that you just named. And I feel like forever you could say, well, LSU doesn't have the quarterback, but now you got Joe Burrow, so you're good, assuming he comes back healthy. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be hanging our hat on Joe Burrow as being the LSU decade quarterback or the NFL <laughs> quarterback. He's definitely our representation. Does LSU have the best receivers in the league? Because you guys got some good ones, but Ole Miss is pretty good too. What do you think about that? I think one right now would be Bama. They definitely have been putting out a lot lately, and they all have been pretty solid. I think we'll be right behind them. LSU just now really moving to a pass, happy offense. So a lot of those guys are starting to shine now. So I think in about a year or two, it'll be back. It'll be up to up to speed. We'll be with them. I don't really think there's any other schools that I can really say. I don't know. Ole Miss had DJ uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown at the same time. So that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, LSU had Odell and that's true. Jarvis. We also had Jets and Chase at the same time too. You're right about that. I didn't uh, think about that. You're right. Yeah, then the guys that came in between that. So I think we'll, we'll definitely have a good starting and backup. Justin Jefferson absolutely crushed it this year. Like, he, in a class that was full of studs at wide receiver, do you think he's the best of those rookies? For sure. Justin's different, though. I, I always knew he was going to be uh, legit once he got his chance, uh, once he got his confidence. Um, very natural. A lot of things you do is just natural. Uh, I think a lot of receivers are good, but it don't come as natural as it does to him and players like him. So, yeah, I, I'm happy to see that, you know, he's able to do that um, in the league, you know, when people would doubt him, wondering if he could do it. So, big time. Was it natural for you or is that something you had to learn? Um, football was natural to me, not necessarily receiver. Being a football player was natural. I started playing receiver really my little bit my 11th grade year, mainly my 12th grade year. I became a receiver, wow. but now it's it, it's natural. Receiver is natural to me now. It took it took a while for me to learn and go through a few coaches and learn different things, but now it comes natural. It's you know second nature. What were you before you were a wide receiver? Uh, running back. Oh my god! Yeah, I played running back. <laughs> And I play safety and corner. Running back, safety, and corner. 
My main position was running back, though. But, yeah, I played pretty much everywhere. And why'd you switch? Well, my 10th grade year, we already had an um, all-state quarterback and all-state running back. So they moved me to slot receiver to do jet sweeps. I didn't really catch too many passes. It was mainly it's like an option offense. And then I went to another school my next year, and I started off at receiver. And then they moved me to running back because our running back got hurt. So I split time. One play, I go to receiver. One play, I go to running back. Then my senior year, uh, I started playing mainly receiver. And then I got the scholarship at receiver. Are you going to tell Urban that you could line up in the backfield or what? No, nah, I'm going to leave that <laughs> to uh, James. And mm-hmm. if they want to put a receiver back there, they could put LaVisca. <laughs> I'm going to let them handle that. You're signing him up for that. Yeah, I'm signing them up for it. <laughs> um, looking ahead to the Super Bowl, who are you rooting for? Because I'm checking the rosters. Like, you got guys on both sides from LSU. I'm not necessarily rooting for either team because, like you said, I have guys on both sides. I think the Chiefs will win, but, you know, I can't count out Tom Brady, and I would love to see, you know, Tom Brady get another ring, uh, see that whole dynasty happen. Whoever wins, I, I think it'll be a good story for either one back to back or, you know, historic quarterback changing teams and winning. So I'm just excited to see the game. Yeah, that would be Brady's seventh Super Bowl in his 10th appearance. What are the odds you'll be playing when you're 43? <laughs> <laughs> Very not likely. I don't understand how he's doing that. Like, I, I imagine when you get done with the game, you're not feeling good again until like halfway through the week if you're lucky and you're in your 20s now yeah so when you're 43 that's got to be like hell definitely but i'm pretty sure he uh you know he knows his body better than anyone so i'm pretty sure he the coaches uh, believe him if he say he's gonna you know dial it back a little bit this week (laughs) so i'm pretty sure he put himself in the best positions let's say there's two minutes left in the game down by four and you get to pick, who would you rather have the ball, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? Am I on offense or defense? You're on offense. Personally, um, Mahomes, just because I feel like we would be way more explosive. Mm-hmm. If plan A doesn't work, he can make a plan B. You know, So I, I'm cool with that. Uh, I feel like with Brady, um, you have to be really precise. I mean, I feel like you have to be precise with Mahomes too, but – like Brady had to be a little bit more precise because it's more, it's probably not going to be a plan B. We're probably trying to attack plan A every time. Mm-hmm. So I think he can still get, obviously, he can get it done. But for me as a receiver, I'd rather uh, Mahomes. Plus, you could just run like 80 yards down the field and Mahomes will just throw a rocket and hit you in the Yeah, if the dagger isn't open, <laughs> I could just turn around and run the other way and probably be open. So it makes it way easier. Yeah, I don't think they're doing a lot of scramble drills in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. Nah, <laughs> probably keep that to uh, once or twice a game, honestly. I would love to see. That's what they should do. They should get on the goal line. They should do like the Broncos did with Peyton Manning a few years ago. Uh, fake the run to the running back and have Brady do like a naked bootleg on the one-yard line. Nobody's going to stop that. Are we talking goal line or your own one-yard line? Goal line. Oh, I was about to say, I don't know if he's going 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That'll work. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know what it would take for Brady to be able to run 99 yards, but I'm pretty sure that would never actually happen in any game. He'd have to get a real good head start. You know, <laughs> he have to really trickle with the play action, and then he have to get some real good blocking downfield, and then like the last 30 yards would just be his his one two at that point because they <laughs> they catching up at that point. Yeah, what uh, what do you got going on for the Super Bowl? What kind of setup you got? Um, probably living room. Watching it with my wife. That's about it. Might invite uh, some teammates over uh, if they're in town, but nothing major. You got a go-to Super Bowl snack? No, usually. No. As a as a kid, my parents would just make all kind of food and order food, but now it's, I'm more of a traditional Pizza Hut guy. Okay, know? that's good. You got to have something. You can't watch it without food. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get some Pizza Hut. All right. Well, thank you very much for the time, DJ. We really appreciate it, and uh, best of luck next season. Uh, Thank you.